Alabama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? I am doing just fine. I'm basking in the glow of a huge win over the Stark Vegas Bulldogs. Yes, uh, that was very nice. Um, certainly, really, it was almost the same as our season. Just every game is like a roller coaster game with this crowd, right? I mean, um, it, it just it seemed like for all the world we had control, and then we don't have control anymore. And um, it's just the way it goes with this squad. Yeah, they're uh, they're they're very consistent with their inconsistency. But here's a great example of 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 what that means. Uh, we average 80 points a game, which is a good number. Um, that that ranks pretty high nationally. I think it's second or third in the SEC. I mean, so we score points impressively, and points are big. That's how you determine who wins and loses the games. Well, last night we scored 80. We, we hit right at our average, and that's that's good. That means we played well offensively. We scored more points than most normal teams score in a 40-minute game, and we hit our average, which is good. So we played good. Well, Keon Ellis didn't score at all. Uh, Noah Gurley scored, I think, uh, two points. I, I, if you told me before the game that Keon didn't score – that Gurley scored two points, I would be like, there's no way we won the game because we probably only scored in the 60s. But we didn't. We scored 80. So I think it's just a good example of, you know, there's a lot, there's always a lot to complain about. There's always a lot that's sort of alarming. Uh, there's always a lot that's like, how the hell is this going to work? Yet. We are now, what, 17 and nine against the toughest schedule in the entire country. And I assure you, people, normally, whoever has played the number one schedule, whoever the hell that is, they're normally not 17 and nine. They're normally way worse than that. So, with every reason to complain, there's also a reason to be amazed at how good this team is. Yeah, again, I- I think this arguably is the toughest basketball schedule anybody's ever played. I, I, if somebody can show me a tougher schedule, I'd, I'd like to know it. Um, but I, it's hopefully it pays dividends. But I, I want to go back to something you said a minute ago. First of all, Keon Ellis, there, there's something wrong. There, there's something wrong. He, he's um, his shots just not even pretty. Um, and last night he had some some bad fouls. Uh, he was zero of seven from the field. He just doesn't look like himself. Um, he's got maybe he's got that lack of confidence that has been bothered Javon Quinterly for uh, a lot of the season. It seems like I don't know what it is, but man, we need him to step up. Yep, yep. Uh, and, and I would even think I would even say now I don't know this. Uh, I don't know this, but I would guess from what I've seen, I don't even think he's played as well defensively as 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 they thought going into the season. It was thought that he would be replacing Herb on both ends of the floor and that he would be our shutdown defender, a candidate to be SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think he's close. I'm not even sure he's the best defensive player on our team. Uh, 
Uh, now, he's a quality defender, even as, as we speak right now, and I'm criticizing him. He's a quality defender. There was just a thought that he would be the best defender in the SEC. It's just not true. I mean, it's really not even close, frankly. Um, you know, that that plum is going to go to Walker Kessler. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and it probably should. But uh, Keon Ellis, just he, he is a shell of himself right now, and it's, it's a shame to see. Um, but instead of harping on the negative, I, I want to bring up a positive that um, is – it's really been kind of fun. It's so weird. Again, this is a, a microcosm of the season. Darius Miles, who gets suspended for a game, uh, what, against Ole Miss, then, or, or maybe there was the game before that, I can't remember. Um, then he comes in this game, has a fantastic game, uh, really just is a spark plug for us, and he's having the most fun of anybody out there. He's dancing with Big Al. He's doing cheers. He, he's getting funky, and um, he's just having a good time. And it's weird because this is a guy who just a few games ago was suspended, and we're like, what the hell's wrong with this kid? And now he's out there, and he's you know, doing the Cupid Shuffle. It, it's wild. I bet, uh, without knowing, because uh, I don't know this, um, I bet he drives NATO. It's crazy. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. I thought you were going to keep going. I had my mic on. Oh, sorry about that, everybody. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I didn't have much to add to that. I'll just say that I, I think, you know, Nate is a pretty intense, serious guy. I mean, I'm sure Nate laughs at jokes and, and likes a sitcom here and there. I'm just saying <laughs> Nate kind of strikes me as a serious guy. Darius Miles, and I mean this in a, in a positive way, he's a clown. And by that, I mean Darius is probably one of the guys – that when you go to a funeral and he's sad and he's he, he, he and he's not disruptive, but he's also going to be a guy that whispers a joke to his friend at a funeral. I mean, I, I think that's who he is. Uh, I think he's always laughing, always joking, always having fun because that's his personality. And I, I can see that uh, maybe not jiving with with a very serious minded Nate Oates. You know, um, I think. I think you're, that's a good point. Like, uh, I can see Darius Miles at a funeral and everybody's real quiet. And he goes, well, at least you finally put a suit on, you know, <laughs> for the guy laying in the casket, you know, something like that. Um, good all right. Jimmy, let me go ahead and tell everybody about Bet Online. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college shoots from all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land. BetOnline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. It's not just basketball. BetOnline for hockey, boxing, UFC odds, right up to the Olympic coverage and information. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Um, so let's talk about this game just a little bit more. Um, looking at the box score here, Alabama had done a pretty good job on Iverson Molinar for a little bit, and then he mm -hmm. caught fire, ended up with 22 points. Uh, you were dead on about Gurley. Only two points, only one rebound. And, look, I'm going to spin this in a positive, uh, probably in a homerific fashion, that – we needed Gurley in the previous game against Arkansas, and he came up big late. 
in this game, he uh, he wasn't on his game, so somebody else stepped up, and I'll tell you who stepped up: Charles Bediaco. Twenty-seven Bediaco. big minutes, six of seven from the field. Probably all of them were dunks. Uh, he was only three of seven from the line. Got to clean that up a little bit. Five rebounds. We'd like to see a few more rebounds, but six big blocks. He's coming into his own as a shot blocker. Um, you know, he's still got a lot of weight to put on. There's no doubt about it. Uh, he also, I was glad to see this. He did the interview with Chris Stewart after the game with the radio broadcast. And what I like about that is it it's, uh, tells me he's he's maturing. You know, you you got to get in there and and – be a part of the team that way too. It's not just always seniors that get to do that. But I think when you give a freshman an opportunity like that and he handles it well and his interview was good, I think it's a sign of maturity. So I think he's growing up right before our eyes. That's exactly, uh, you know, and I told somebody that last night, uh, even three weeks ago, I think I said privately, I don't think I said on the show, but I think three weeks ago I was like, I'm a little concerned that Betty Ako isn't hugely improved from November. And I said that about three weeks ago. And literally, as the words came out of my mouth, the next game, he, he almost like a different player. And since then, he's continued to improve. I, I think now we can comfortably say we, we have seen him develop. Uh, we've seen him develop from, you know, a guy that was having trouble adjusting to the speed and the size of this new game for him. And 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 now he's he's swimming. He's swimming. He's he's taking the I guess what I'm saying he's taking the floaties off. I mean he's he's swimming uh, in the deep end and is now a guy like JD Davison who has done the same thing. Now with JD it's been more of a roller coaster. It, it, he showed up ready to help us win and then disappeared. And then the turnovers were just ridiculous. And then all of a sudden he played the Gonzaga game. And with with JD it's been up and down and up and down. Now I think J.D. has found some level of consistency to his production. And here's the thing. While they're learning to play basketball, we're also trying to win big games. And we're trying to accomplish something here as a team. And I feel both of them now are helping us win the games. See, that's the step you need. The step you need is, okay, we need you to learn to play at this level. And then we need you to help us beat these teams that we have to play. And I think J.D. and Betty Ako both have reached that point. They're helping us beat these good teams. And, and that's the step we needed. That isn't to say that it's complete, because I think a last step with those two can be dominating the teams that we need to beat. The question with both is going to be when they're good enough to dominate the teams we need to beat, are they going to be playing for Alabama or in the NBA? Yeah, I still feel like Bidiaco will be coming back. Um, I've, I've combed through NBA mock drafts over and over again. I mean, I, I look them up almost daily, and I hadn't seen Bediaco in any of them. No, no, not a one. Um, J.D. Davison has been on a slow decline. He's in just about everybody's second-round projections now, if he's in it at all. So I think there's also an opportunity – uh, for J.D. to come back. I mean, of course, there's an opportunity. I think there's also a chance J.D. will come back. And that would be pretty magnificent to have Bediaco, who, you know, borderline five-star, J.D. five-star, uh, two five-stars coming in, and and some high four-stars coming in along with Nick Pringle. Shoot, all of a sudden, we got a team, especially if Shaq comes back. I mean, if Shaq were to come back, that'd be like getting a one-and-done five-star committing to your team. So, um, 
yeah, next year looks to be very, very promising if some of those things happen. But, you know, the here's the catch-22. If Beniaco really starts making a big move, and I think it'd have to be a huge move in, to, to draft. And if J.D. starts really turning it on, which, you know, he didn't have his best game last night, but he had 10 rebounds. He led the league. He led he the did. team. In he helped, he helped us win the game. He helped us yeah, win he the game. Definitely. definitely. Um, and there are times when he goes to the rim and, like, I'm like, just do that all the time. Like, nobody stops right. you. Um, but uh, if if he uh, really picks it up, unless those are the things we need to really make a run in the SEC, SEC tournament, and NCAAs. But if those things happen, there's – the likelihood they'll be gone. So, I mean, it's a bit of a catch-22. Um, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take another break. This will be a quick episode today. We won't even get into uh, some of our recruiting superlatives like we've been doing. We'll save that for tomorrow or the next day. And uh, we're just going to keep it focused on basketball for right now. So we'll be back in just a second. I want to go back to Keon Ellis, Jimmy. Um, I mentioned he was 0 of 7. He's actually 0 of 8. He was 0 of 7 from beyond the arc. Here's the other thing. Jaden Shackelford was 0 of 6 from beyond the arc. I wonder when the last time Shackelford didn't make a three was. I mean, maybe it's happened this year. I, Kentucky. He didn't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> good point. He didn't make one against Kentucky, are we sure? I just know he had six points. Maybe there were two threes. I don't remember. But I, I know all he had was six points against Kentucky. Um, and I don't recall a three, but may, maybe that happened. But you're right. That That's not going to happen too much at all. And, again, it's just a good example of, that's how that's how good this team is, and I know it's it's in, it's not in vogue to compliment this team for whatever reason. Look, we beating Mississippi State's a good win. We didn't play that great, and we still won. And I don't know how many times we've said that this year. We didn't play great, but we still won. That just shows how good the team is. It shows what we're capable of, and it shows why we were able to beat multiple number one seeds. Because when it goes well, we'll beat anybody. It just doesn't go well every single night. But we still win most of the games. Yeah, you were right. He was 0 of 7 against Kentucky from beyond the arc. I mean, wow. Um, okay, so that was something that I shouldn't have been so terribly surprised about. We have not – we've shot like 20% from beyond the arc at home in this homestand. I mean, something terrible. Um, I mean, eventually they're going to start falling, right? I mean, we right. think – I think – Partially, we have the wrong people shooting them sometimes. Um, right. I thought Javon Quinterly did a good job last night. I'll tell you something else about Javon Quinterly. He hit a couple of big free throws last night. We needed him to come through, and he did. Um, we've been talking about, hey, we need you to, to be able to hit those key shots when you need to, and he did. So kudos to him for doing that. Um, James Rojas, wow, uh, he certainly had better games. He looked bad last night to me. Um, and I, I feel like he gets out of sorts. Like when he knows his role, Rojas is good. I mean, he's good for his role. But when he gets sort of out of sorts, he had a he tried to put on a move on a Mississippi State dude last night where he like spun in the lane. It was blocked before he shot it. I've never seen that before. Like it was there was a preemptive block. Um, I was also glad. Look, the, I know the officiating got a lot of ribbing last night and it should the, the officiating in college basketball has been very bad um some oh uh, jay billis wrote an article on espn about how 
bad officiating has gotten. Like they're 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 lit, they're not calling enough fouls. Frankly, everybody loves to bitch about the fouls, but they're not calling enough. Everything's too physical now. I, I think that's one key. And the other thing I would add to Jay Billis's uh, discussed with officiating right now is the propensity to call charge versus block. It, mm-hmm. Charge to me, the spirit of a charge is a player's out of control and he runs somebody over. It's not just can I get under him while he's in the air. I think that's BS. And last night there was a um, uh, Alabama completed a three-point play. I can't remember who it was. It may have been Shaq. He hit a floater in the lane, and the Mississippi State guy went under him, and I said, they're going to call a charge. And lo and behold, they did call a block, and that was the right call. Um, And considering that they had a really bad charge block call against J.D. Davidson against Arkansas that kind of turned the game around for a second and really could have cost us, uh, I'm glad to see that. But I've always been – officials just love to call charges for some reason. And, and I'll, get, I'll get on a soapbox here because I've been busting to say this. I'm, I'm glad you, you brought it up because I, I get mad about it. it it's such a, you're a hundred percent right. You and Jay Bills both, of course, and Billis is a great an expert on the game as anyone is in the sport. Look, I have seen charges called this year in Alabama games and other games. If you are in a fast break, fast break, running side by side with the defender down the court for 40 feet at full speed, just how in the, I wanted to use a really dirty word there, I'll use hell, but I wanted to use something else. How the hell are you running full speed down the court and the defender gets in front of you and sets his feet? That's physically impossible to do to run full speed and set your feet when you're running side by side with the guy for 40 feet. It's impossible to do that. And I have seen multiple charges called in that scenario when it has defied the laws of physics. Now, why charges ever called there is outrageous. Secondly, when they don't call charges enough is in the half court, when a defender is closely guarding the offensive player and the offensive player uses his shoulder to create the room that the defender has a right to be in, that is a charge. And that isn't called enough or nearly enough because that's great defense. That's appropriate position, a right to be there. And the offensive player uses brute force to create space. That is a charge every time. I've seen that called a defensive foul multiple times this year when there's been so much contact, you have to call something. Here's what you call. You call a charge. just seems to me, see, I got so mad my phone's falling. We're lucky I'm not throwing it across the room. We're, we're lucky I'm, I'm just not chunking it. But this this should just be the default chart, the default call. The default call is when you're in the fast break and there's a lot of contact, That's a blocking foul. When you're in the half court and there's a big collision and the defender had proper position, that's a charge. That should be the default calls. Instead, we see it called the other way. Well, I went on, I went on mute for a minute there, Jimmy, my bad. I didn't know this. Start your, um, rant. Start your rant over again as soon as mine ended. 
Uh, well, what I was going to say was, I think you're, you're right. And look, I'm just so tired of it. Um, I think uh, officials have, have just overextended themselves on charges. And this is not us railing on the officials from last night. That's not no. what we're doing. Um, no. What? Because I thought they were right. I thought Nate Oates should have been tossed. I thought he was trying to get tossed. So I, I'm fine with it. That doesn't bother me. Um, sometimes coaches want to get tossed, and he wanted to get tossed, and it kind of helped. So I'm totally fine with that. But I, 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 Jay Billis wrote a whole article on it when he did his one through 68 teams today. Uh, it, I say a whole article is, you know, about half of the article was on officiating and, and how they, at first they were, you know, they're calling too many ticky tack things and then they wanted to up the offense. So they've, now they've let everything go. You know, they've got arm bars and all this other stuff. And um, yeah, I think we need to clean the game up a little bit. That's all. I mean, everybody's gotten real physical and all that's cool, but uh, I think we do need to clean the game up a little bit because it is, um, you know, it's, it's very difficult uh, anymore to, to watch a game and not be upset with the officiating because there, there were plenty of calls last night, you know, against Mississippi State, against Alabama that, that weren't, that should have been made that weren't. And um, where somebody looked like they were clearly hit. And see, when you let that go, I mean, players are like, okay, that's not where the line is. Let me try and move the line a little bit more. Let me find out where it is that we're going to call a foul. And it just gets more and more physical. And I think that takes away from the game, uh, the beauty of the sport. It's not meant to be a brute strength game. It's meant to be a little bit more fluid than that. But uh, we've got a big game coming up against Kentucky. We'll talk about that uh, on tomorrow's podcast. So, Jimmy, we'll call this one a day. Uh, sorry for the intermittent silence with the muted mics that's just how we do sometimes but uh, anyway thank you guys for listening please do share and subscribe and uh, roll tight everybody roll tight